One of the most familiar passages in all the Word of God, Daniel in the lion's den. Many of us have heard this story from the time we were, as they say, knee-high to a grasshopper. Long time ago. But I want to look at it maybe a little bit differently tonight. And I think you'll find where I'm going with this as we get into it. But before we even dive into Daniel chapter 6, I, I want to point out what's going on here historically and biblically. First of all, when we come to Daniel chapter 6, we once again are reminded of the reliability of God's Word. How truthful it is. Why? Well, because at this moment, the great kingdom of Babylon has fallen just as God predicted it would. So God is saying, hey, I said Babylon would fall, it fell. And I said that after Babylon, the Medes and the Persians would become, in a sense, the great world empire. And that's exactly what happened. And then God predicted, before it happened, that under the first king of the Medes and the Persians, King Cyrus, that he would stir his heart to allow those in captivity who've been now in captivity for 70 years because of their rebellion against Jehovah, that he would allow them to go back to their home. And so the 70-year Babylonian captivity would be over just as God predicted, and it happened just as God said. So, even before we dive into Daniel chapter 6, let's remember the historical context here and remind ourselves that God is saying through all of this, you can count on my word. If I said it, it will happen exactly to the detail of how I said it would unfold. And that's exactly what we've seen here, and that's exactly what we're going to see Throughout the rest of the book of Daniel, that's exactly what we're going to see when we begin to study the book of Revelation, that it's all going to happen exactly as God said, which I, I have to insert this. I, I even hate to take the time up, but uh, the world's not going to end in May of this year. If you've heard about the group that's going around the country and everything saying the world's coming to an end in May... Not, not going to happen. So anyway, um, we'll, we'll move on. The, the other thing I want to mention is this. Remember, the, the study of Daniel is a study of, of standing up to pressure. And all of us are going to go through different seasons of life where the pressure is ratcheted up in our life. And how do we deal with the pressure? And we can either crumble under the pressure, be crushed under the pressure. We can conform and just go along with the pressure. Or we can have this internal strength that God wants to build into our lives to be able to, in a sense, push back against the pressure and be strong and rise above it, like Daniel. And so we see that. And one of the things we're going to notice today is this. Let's remember that now, in, in the span of time, that Daniel was in his 80s. That he, is, he has lasted through the entire 70-year captivity, and he was probably 12, 13, or 14 when he went to Babylon. So he's at least in his 80s at this point. And, and what that tells us is this. You and I never get to an age, we never get to a maturity level as a believer in God. We, we never get to a point where the pressure is going to stop at some point. There's always going to be pressures on this side of heaven, on this side of glory. There's always going to be things 
things that we need to deal with. No matter how old we are, no matter how long we've been a Christian, no matter how faithful we've been to God all those years, there's always going to be those seasons where the pressure's going to come and we're going to be tested. And that's exactly what we see happening here with Daniel in Daniel chapter 6. So let's read about this Daniel and glean some things from Daniel chapter 6 tonight. It seemed like a good idea to Darius to appoint over the kingdom 120 satraps or governors who would be in charge of the entire kingdom. So basically he sliced his kingdom up into 120 slices and said, I I need you guys to, to look over a smaller portion of it. He delegated responsibility. He was being a good leader. That's what a good leader does. Not one person can handle all different things. And that's exactly what he was doing. And over them would be three supervisors or literally chiefs, one of whom was Daniel. And these satraps were accountable to them so that the king's interest might not incur damage. Now think about this though for a moment. This also tells us about the different seasons of life that Daniel again just sort of weathered and, and, and had that stability in his personal relationship with God that no matter what was happening around him, he was able to stay strong and consistent through it all. Because remember, he came to Babylon as a young man. Nobody really knew him. Then God gave Nebuchadnezzar a dream. He interprets a dream for Nebuchadnezzar and then he's risen to power. In fact, the Bible tells us he becomes basically the second most powerful person in Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar. And he has this season in his life of of, of great influence and all of that. But then we saw last week where uh, Belshazzar comes uh, to become the leader of Babylon. and, And for whatever reason... Uh, Daniel is sort of distanced from any kind of major influence or whatever with the king. He doesn't have the same relationship with that king that he did with Nebuchadnezzar. And he sort of goes through a season of life where he's not quite in that, you know, position anymore. And now we come back to now a whole other kingdom is taken over the world, the Medes and the Persians. And, And it's an amazing testimony of Daniel and of God that when God wants us somewhere, nobody's going to stop it. And, and God wanted Daniel once again to be a heavy influence in the kingdom of the Medes and the Persians. So here's this new king who's conquered Babylon. And instead of, uh, you know, sort of uh, promoting three of his own people to such a high level, one of the people that he promotes to these three chiefs or supervisors of the entire kingdom is Daniel, this Jewish exile who's still there now through all the seasons that he's went through. He's seen all the ups and downs of these kingdoms. He's seen kingdoms come and go. He's seen rulers come and go. But Daniel has just been right there. And that's what God's looking for. Because that's the way life's going to be. People are going to come and go. Things are going to happen. Things are going to change. But God wants us to have a relationship with him that is so rock solid that we can have a stability in the midst of all the upheaval and things that are going on all over the place, whether it's around our lives or in the world or whatever. And that's really what Daniel illustrates here. So notice verse three, here's one of the reasons why Daniel stood out. The Bible says Daniel, this Daniel verse three was distinguishing himself above the other supervisors. And the word distinguishing there in the Aramaic means to excel because he's enduring. And we already had a whole series about the importance of spiritual stamina and endurance. 
And that's, that's really what was making Daniel stand out was he was excelling because of his endurance. He, when things would happen that other people would just fall out and drop out, Daniel just kept on going. And this is very interesting because it goes on to say because he had an extraordinary spirit, verse 3. Literally in the Aramaic, he had plenty of wind. So think about the runner. Daniel had plenty of wind. He never got winded in the race of life that God had called him to, to the point where he had to go, time out, i got to take a break. No, he continued to have that wind so that when other runners around him were dropping out and falling out, he could continue to endure because he had that spiritual stamina build up. He had plenty of reserve. He had plenty of wind. And how did Daniel have this? Through his own personal walk with God. Nothing magical. No magic formula. No quick fix. It's just that Daniel had a walk with God every day. That day by day, over the years, over the months, always was building up his stamina and giving him plenty of wind. We need to, we need to capture that. Because that's what God is looking for today. People, Christians, who won't run out of wind in this life. Because this life is going to be challenging. As the writer of Hebrews says, the race, the word there in the Greek language is the word agon, where we get our English word for agony and agonize. And sometimes life is agonizing. Sometimes the race is agonizing. Any of you who ever have run long distance or run at all know that in order to build up your stamina or to run in a race, that there's times in your training and even in running the race where it is agonizing and you've just got to keep pressing forward. And this, this is the testimony of Daniel. This is how he lived his life. The only way he had that kind of wind and spiritual stamina was, again, just walking with God every day. And that's what God's looking for with us. So then the Bible goes on to say, in fact, the king intended to appoint him over the entire kingdom. So once again, Daniel would have been second, basically, to King Darius. And then the Bible says, consequently, the supervisors and other satraps or governors were trying to find some pretext against Daniel in connection with administrative matters. Very interestingly, the word pretext or the words pretext against means this. They were looking for any opportunity to bring Daniel down so that they could go up which is exactly what people have done throughout history. It's what people do today. It's what people have done to you. It's what people have done to me. In order to advance themselves or make themselves look better in certain situations, they have to put others down in order for them to rise up. And we've already seen that from a biblical perspective, if God wants us in a position, we don't have to do anything to someone else. God will make sure we get to where he wants us to get without ever putting someone else down in order to get there. That is the way the world operates. That is not the way the followers of Jesus Christ are to operate. And it's not the way Daniel operated. And so what I want you to see tonight is this. 
One of the pressures that you and I deal with in life, one of the pressures that Daniel was going to deal with here in Daniel chapter 6, that isn't really emphasized, but it really is the entire reason why Daniel was eventually thrown into the lion's den. Because people didn't like Daniel for one reason or another. And so they had to start making things up about Daniel. They had to start slandering him. They had to start gossiping about him. They had to do something to put him down to make themselves look better. Now, there's not a person in here that hasn't went through something like that in your life. And so you and I should be able to really get into Daniel chapter 6. Because we have lived this in the past and we will live this again. Because it is part of living life on this side of heaven. There will always be people in our lives who in order to make themselves look better in a certain situation will try to make us look bad. And the thing with Daniel and one of the other major themes here is that it doesn't mean that we did anything wrong. Now, obviously, if we suffer for doing something stupid or some sin against God, we brought that on ourselves. But just like in Daniel's case, sometimes we didn't do anything wrong. Daniel didn't do anything wrong, but he was still fed to the lions. And sometimes you and your Christian life, you will do exactly what God wants you to do, and you will still be fed to the lions. So we also can't get the mentality that if I just do what God wants me to do, Everything's going to be okay and everybody's going to like me. No, in fact, sometimes, because we do what God wants us to do, that sometimes is what stirs up other people. And, and one of the things Daniel chapter 6 is reminding us is there is this spiritual warfare that is going on behind the scenes all the time and we are part of it and can get caught up in it. And again, that's exactly what was happening here. So all of us should really be able to relate with what's going on here. So notice though, the Bible says they were unable to find any such damaging evidence. The words damaging evidence means corruption or rottenness. In other words, even on the surface, obviously Daniel looked like a pretty good guy, but even as they began to dig and dig and dig, they couldn't find anything underneath the surface, any kind of sort of, you know, worm inside the apple, so to speak. Because he was, notice, trustworthy, verse 4. Faithful. Oh, folks, that's so important. Daniel was faithful. He could be counted on by God and by others, which goes on to say he also was not guilty of no negligence, meaning he never failed to follow through with things. Never failed to follow through. And then the last, or corruption. Daniel was a man of integrity. And that's what God calls us to be. God calls us to be people of integrity. In fact, way back when I was in Bible college, I had one of my mentors share with me as he knew I was getting ready to go into the ministry he said, Jeff, there are three things that are important for ministers and ministries. Integrity, integrity, integrity. That was Daniel. And that's what God calls us to be. Now, again, that doesn't mean because we're people of integrity that, that we're never going to be talked about 
And, and people just aren't going to up and up lie and make things up about us because they did Daniel. But again, like Daniel, we're going to see that if I've done nothing wrong, if you've done nothing wrong, and you can lay your head on that pillow at night, and, and you and God are okay, then you and I have to be like Daniel, where we don't spend our time trying to defend ourselves, that we continue to do what God's called us to do, because it's exactly what the enemy wants us to do, is to take our focus away from doing what God's called us to do, and begin to defend ourselves with all these people who are talking about us. And Daniel never did that. And God doesn't want us to do it either because God is showing us here in Daniel chapter 6 that when we are in that situation, God is very capable, as God, of being able to defend His people. And you and I just have to place ourselves in God's hands and say, okay, God, you know the truth. You know what's really going on out there. Defend. So notice. They go on to say, So these men concluded, we won't find any pretext against this man, Daniel, unless it is in connection with the law of his God. What a testimony. They basically said, okay, you know what it comes down to? We have to, we have to twist this some way to make Daniel choose between the law of the Medes and the Persians and the law of his God, because otherwise we won't get him to do anything because they knew how faithful Daniel was to his God and they knew. That if it was a choice between Daniel's God and anyone or anything else, Daniel would always choose God. And so they had to come up with something in that manner to, in a sense, trip up Daniel. So these supervisors and satraps, verse 6, came by collusion. The word means conspiracy. Now, I'm not, I don't think everything's a conspiracy. But I do think there are times where people start talking, getting together in groups, and, and conspiring against individuals or groups or churches or whatever. It certainly happens. It happened here. It's also very interesting that the word collusion also has this meaning, tumult, which implies, if you study that out, that basically they made a loud shebang, basically. They, they are an illustration that sometimes, even though what people are saying isn't true, if they say it louder than anybody else, people give them attention. And that's exactly what this word is implying. That they came into the king and they were loud and they were boisterous and they, they were making a tumult and making a big deal. And because they were so loud, they were heard even though there really wasn't anything to what they were saying. We have to be careful that we don't give credence necessarily to the loudest just because they're loud. We have to check it out and make sure that even if they're loud, that what they're saying can be backed up. And it's scriptural. So, they said, O King Darius, live forever. To all the supervisors of the kingdom, the prefects, satraps, counselors, governors, it seemed like a good idea for the royal edict to be issued and an interdict or a restriction to be enforced. So for the next 30 days, anyone who prays to any god or human other than you, O King, should be thrown into a den of lions. Now let the king issue a written interdict so it cannot be changed or altered. Because the Medes and the Persians, when they made a law, it could not be changed or revoked in any way. And so they basically, this is what they proposed. And notice, King Darius issued or signed the written interdict, verse 9. Now, just one point I want to make quickly, because I'm running out of time, is this. King Darius was very unwise here, because he signed something and put his name to something without really 
taking the time to think through all the ramifications and consequences of what he was doing. And I just say that because sometimes Christians sign their name to something or commit to something and then go, oh my goodness, I shouldn't have got hooked up in that or shouldn't have, shouldn't have committed myself to that. And that's where our prayer time and our thinking through it and asking God for wisdom and asking other counselors, if you will, uh, mature Christians, what their thoughts are on it is so important before we enter into something because obviously Darius wishes he could have taken this back later on. But it was too late. Then notice, when Daniel, verse 10, realized that a written decree had been issued, he entered his home. It was test time for Daniel. Was Daniel going to compromise knowing that everything that he did every day was now maybe going to cost him his life in the den of lions? So he goes into his home. The windows in his upper room are open toward Jerusalem. And three times daily he was kneeling and offering prayers and thanks to his God just as he had been accustomed to do previously. couple important things before we move on. Notice. This wasn't unusual. This wasn't Daniel thumbing his nose at the, at the king's face. This is what Daniel had done for over 80 years. This is who Daniel was. He was just doing what he always did. Consistency. That's what God's looking for. Faithfulness. Consistency. In everyday life. And the key word there for me is daily. Too often as Christians, we think that we're going to get from point A to point B as a Christian by a couple of big, big bang things, if you will, in our life. And the Word of God clearly teaches that that's not the way God's process works. That God's process in our life, life works when we just do what we know we should do daily. And it's over time in doing the daily spiritual disciplines of life over and over again that we build up our strength and spiritual stamina not from jumping to one spiritual mountaintop experience to another but see the problem is in the culture in in which we live we have become even as christians so experientially oriented that we're looking for one experience to another rather than entering in to a daily training like daniel did where he just got up and spent time with god Every day, he prayed three times a day. He, he read the word of God. He, and that's what he did every day. Nothing magical about it. But he did it consistently. He did it daily. And because this is what he did, notice verse 11, the officials then went. They saw that Daniel was praying and asking for help before his God. And so they approached the king and said to him, did you not issue this, you know, restriction and the king said yeah i did that's correct according to the law the medes and the persians it cannot be changed and then they said to the king verse 13 daniel who is one of the captives from judah pays no attention to you O king or to the edict that you have issued a couple things notice something very interesting this is daniel now 80 some years old He's been second most powerful man in the great kingdom of Babylon under Nebuchadnezzar. And now, in a sense, he's the second most powerful man in the kingdom of the Medes and Persians under Darius. But notice how they refer to him. He's one of the captives. They always, throughout Daniel's life, defined him the way they wanted to define him. Not who he really was. 
not this great man of God. They define him as, oh, he's just one of those captives. And and the point I want to make is this, and I've shared this with you before, and I want to encourage you with this because we all need to be reminded of it. Don't let other people ever define who you are or what you are or what you can become. And don't even do it yourself. Let God alone be the one who defines you. And there will be people, like in Daniel's life, who will always define you by something. By some past failure, or, or where you came from, or where I came from, and this and that. They will always seek to define us and put us in their little box. Again, like Daniel, ignore them. Don't keep thinking about how they define you, think about and focus on how God defines you and how He wants to define you in your life. Because again, it doesn't matter how old we are and how faithful we are and all that, you're always going to have people in your life who are the naysayers, just like Daniel. And then, the other thing is, the phrase, pays no attention to you, Literally means to be set or fixed. It's not that Daniel didn't pay attention to the king. He was a faithful servant of all the kings that he served. The phrase means that Daniel was so fixed and set in his convictions that when it came down to, again, anything other than his God and and God's rule in his life, it was always going to be God. That's how fixed he was. And they knew that. That's why they cooked up the plan in the first place. They said, you know, three times daily, again, he offers his prayer. Now, notice this. Notice the interesting reaction from King Darius. Instead of being appalled like Nebuchadnezzar was back in that and being angry at Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego for not bowing down to the idol that he created, notice Darius's reaction. When the king heard this, he was very upset. In fact, it's very interesting. In the Aramaic language there, Those words mean stunk or smelled bad. Maybe that's where we get the idea that something just doesn't smell right. See, the king started to figure out, you know what? I got sucked into something. I got sucked in with these people who are jealous and envious of Daniel and who want to rise above Daniel. And I'm starting to realize now that this whole thing about this restriction and prayer and all this, I'm beginning to think something just doesn't smell right. It smells bad. And then he began thinking about how he might rescue or deliver Daniel. That's how respected Daniel was to Darius. Until late afternoon, he was struggling and striving to find a way to rescue him. Of course, those men came by And said, hey, recall, O king, that it's the law of the Medes and the Persians that no edict or decree that the king issues can be changed. So the king realized he had no choice. He gave the order and Daniel was brought and thrown into a den of lions. And notice this unbelievable phrase. This pagan king who doesn't even know Jehovah. The king consoled Daniel by saying, your God, not my God, Your God, whom you continually or consistently serve, will rescue you. Literally, he will not leave you nor abandon you. Which is very interesting. In Hebrews 13, 5, that is quoted in the New Testament when the writer of Hebrews says, God will never leave us nor abandon us or forsake us. Wow. 
Even someone that doesn't know God was trying to console a believer in God because he saw how faithful and consistent Daniel was to his God. Shows what kind of impact we can, we can make just by being consistent. Not by being flashy. Just by doing what we know God has called us to do every day. So then a stone was brought and placed over the opening to the den. The king sealed it with his signet ring with those of his nobles so that nothing could be changed with regard to Daniel. Then the king departed to his palace, but he spent the night without eating and no diversions were brought to him. He was unable to sleep. In the morning at the earliest sign of daylight, the king got up and rushed to the lion's den. And as he approached the den, he called out to Daniel in a worried, literally in the Aramaic, a pained, a grieving voice, Daniel. Servant of the living God, the God who is alive, not a dead idol, the God who is active. Was your God whom you continually serve able to rescue you from the lions? Can I say tonight, our God is able. I hope you and I will be reminded tonight that even when we're thrown to the lions, unjustly, Daniel did nothing wrong. Our God is able to deliver us. Then Daniel spoke to the king. Oh, king, live forever. I want you to also notice something. Daniel had more composure in the lion's den than the king had outside the lion's den. The king was freaking out all night. He couldn't sleep. He was, you know, and Daniel was probably just sitting in the lion's den going, nice, nice lion. Nice line, you know, because again, it reminds us of just like Shadrach, Meshach and Abednego, that when God goes with us into the fire, when he goes with us into the lion's den, he does that so that his servants can remain composed and calm, even in the face of a den of lions, because he is with us. The God of the universe is with us and nothing can happen to us without him allowing it. We should be able to rest in our almighty God. He is able And Daniel said, my God sent, literally stretched out his angel and closed or shut the lion's mouth so that they have not harmed me. God can shut the lion's mouths. He can shut the lion's mouths in your life. He can shut the lion's mouths in my life. He can shut the lion's mouths that are out there trying to maybe do something harmful to the Oasis Church, he can shut the lion's mouths. He is able. God doesn't want us to focus on the lions. He wants us to keep our focus on him. Notice, they didn't harm, hurt, or destroy Daniel at all because, notice, I was found innocent before God, blameless, pure, undiluted, In other words, Daniel's basically saying, I knew I hadn't done anything wrong. And so I knew that God was going to deliver me. And then he goes on to even say, and I've not done you any harm, king. I I, I didn't do anything wicked. I didn't do anything hurtful to you. Daniel was just being who he had always been. A friend of mine a couple years ago actually told my wife and me something that has stuck with us in the last couple of years, and it is a true statement. Time and truth walk together. 
Time and truth walk together. You, you may have somebody slandering you, gossiping about you, saying things that aren't even true about you. And there might be other people who believe it at that moment. But eventually, eventually in time, guess what? The truth comes out, whether that was true or whether it wasn't. Time and truth walk together. And Daniel was recognizing that as well. So notice, the king was delighted and gave an order to hand, haul Daniel up from the den. So Daniel was hauled up out of the den. He had no injury of any kind, no hurt or damage at all. Because he had trusted in his God. Literally, he was supported by, he was upheld by his God. In the Aramaic, it's the idea of a firm foundation. Daniel realized he could rest all of his weight on his God and God would hold him up. He wouldn't collapse. It goes back to what Jesus said about building our lives on the rock, on him and on his word, rather than on sand when the storms come. That's exactly what Daniel did. And then the king gave another order. And those men who had maliciously accused Daniel were brought and thrown into the lion's den. First of all, the words maliciously accused, this is very interesting, especially since they were going to use lions with Daniel. The words maliciously accused mean to eat, devour, or tear to pieces. Isn't it interesting that these men who were trying to eat and devour and tear the character of Daniel to pieces are now going to be the ones eaten and torn to pieces by the lion, lions. Doesn't it remind you of another story in the Old Testament in the book of Esther where Haman hated Mordecai and had these gallows built to hang Mordecai on and guess who ended up being hung on them? Haman did. In fact, the book of Proverbs says in chapter 26, those who dig a pit for others will end up falling in it themselves. It's exactly what was happening here in the book of Daniel. There may be those in your life who are trying to tear your character and tear you to pieces. Commit yourself to the Lord. Ignore them. Don't focus on them. Don't take time to defend yourself. Keep doing what God has called you to do. Be Daniel and just do what you know God wants you to do every day. And in time, the truth will come out. He goes on to say, then the king gave another order. Not only those men were brought, but notice, their children, their wives were brought as well. And they did not even reach the bottom of the den before the lions overpowered them and crushed all their bones. Which the reason I think that's put in there is because there were some liberals a long time ago who said, well, maybe the lions just weren't hungry when Daniel was there. This is clearly showing the lions were very hungry. It was God's supernatural protection. But I want to make this point because this troubled me. I'm sure it troubled you. Wait a minute. Why did their dear children and why did their wives get thrown in there with them? It wasn't their fault. Well, you're right. Unfortunately, the Medes and the Persians had some strange laws and customs. And one of those laws and customs was if one member of an immediate family did something, all of them were going to suffer the punishment for it. I'm glad that doesn't still exist. Some people in my... No, I'm just doing that. 
But I want to show you something, and we're going to come back. I'm going to wrap this up in just a few minutes. I want, I want you to go quickly to Deuteronomy 24.16. Deuteronomy 24.16, and the reason I want to show you this is because this is not the way God wanted his people to, do, to be. Deuteronomy 24, verse 16. God laid down to his people, I never want other people in a family to have to suffer the punishment for what one person in a family does. Deuteronomy 24, 16. Fathers must not be put to death for what their children do, nor children for what their fathers do. Each must be put to death for his own sin. But see, the Medes and the Persians didn't do that. So that's why the children and the wives all went into the lion's den. But God said, no, no, no. I never want some innocent party to suffer for what somebody else did as far as some kind of civil punishment goes. And then let's just finish this up tonight. Verse 25, back in Daniel chapter 6. Then King Darius wrote to all the peoples, nations, and language groups who were living in all the land, peace and prosperity. I have issued an edict that throughout all the dominion of my kingdom, folks, they were the most powerful kingdom on planet earth at that time. Can you imagine how important this was? People are to revere and fear the God of Daniel. Basically, those words mean acknowledge how awesome the God of Daniel is. For he is the living God. He endures forever. His kingdom will not be destroyed. His authority is forever. He rescues and delivers and performs signs and wonders in the heavens and on the earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So this Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus the Persian. What an amazing story. So, let's remember. This is all about standing up and handling pressure. And even when Daniel was in his 80s, still had pressure. Will never escape pressure. But like Daniel, God wants us to have that internal strength that is built up over just doing the daily disciplines of walking with God every day like Daniel, that when the pressure comes and when those seasons of pressure come, we will not compromise like Daniel. We will be fixed in our conviction and we will stand up and we will place ourselves in the hands of God. And we will say, God, I'm yours. You, you take care of it. You handle it the way you want. I'm not going to focus on these people over here trying to do this to me. I'm not going to pay attention to this over here. I'm just going to continue to walk with you, God, and keep my eyes focused on you. And this, to me, is the clear message of Daniel chapter 6. Next week, Daniel chapter 7. Let's close in prayer. God, thank you. Thank you for giving us, Lord, a, a story that is so relevant to all of us. We've all been in that place like Daniel, where there have been people in our lives who have tried to tear us to pieces. They've tried to devour us. And how are we to handle that, Lord? How are we to deal with it? And you gave us right in your word another example of how we should handle situations like that. That we just need to be like Daniel. We need to continue to be the Christian, the follower of Christ that we've always been. 
living that consistent life. And regardless of what people say, even like in Daniel's case, when it's not even true, when they make stuff up, that we will just continue to focus on you being who you are calling us to be and ignoring everything else. Because God, you defend your people. You are able to deliver us from lion's dens and fiery furnaces. Your word is a shield to us. And so help us to trust in you and in your word that, again, as we've seen tonight, it is absolutely down to the minutest detail, reliable and trustworthy. And help us then, Lord, to be trustworthy and faithful back to you. God, thank you again for the wonderful things you're doing here. Thank you for those precious children that came to Christ on Sunday. Thank you, Lord, for for the way you have knit together so many hearts here already and and have have built up a loving group of people who, who are so selfless and sacrificial in wanting to serve other people. Continue to do that, Lord. And continue to make us strong in your word. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Folks, thanks for being here. Hope to see you on Sunday as you help us celebrate our first anniversary.